We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 today. Take your sermon notes out of your bulletin so that you can follow along. We're in week 6 of this series that we started, it seems like forever ago, called Supernatural, learning how to understand and tap into the supernatural power of God in our lives. If you don't have a Bible today, our ushers are going to come down the aisle. We like to pass out Bibles here, so if you don't have one, just wave at our ushers and they'll give you one. We've passed out more than 500 Bibles since our church has started this way. If you don't have a Bible, put your name in this one. This one's yours. Take it home. Start reading it. Bring it back with you next week. Uh, If you've just forgot your Bible, but you'd like to have one to kind of read along as we study today, that's awesome. Or maybe you're following along on your tablet or your cell phone. But every week we're going to open God's Word together and, and see what God has to say to us. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we come to we come to really a transition point in this series because we go from kind of learning what, what I would call uh, supernatural, uh, Holy Spirit 101 kind of general Christianity to advanced supernatural Christianity, going from the general area of what we need to know about God's supernatural to the specific application of God's supernatural in our lives. And here's what 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4 say. This should make more sense. If you've been here the entire series or you've been following along on podcast or by watching on the Internet, this should sound like this, this, these verses should come together in your head Because of all we've studied the last five weeks. If they don't come together in your head, I want to encourage you. Go home when you leave here today. Download the five messages of this series. It'll take you about four hours to listen to five messages. Throw them on your cell phone. Listen to them on the way to and from work or on your tablet or on your computer. Because you'll understand this better if you listen to the previous messages. But here's what 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 3 and 4 say. Paul says, for though we live in this world. We don't wage war as the world does, because the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Paul said, and last week we talked about spiritual armor, so we're beginning to understand this concept of that there's a spiritual war raging in our soul uh, it, it is the Tom and Jerry cartoon of the little angel on one shoulder and the little devil on the other. That little picture is actually real spiritually that there's this war raging that Scripture calls between our flesh, which is the part of us that wants to live for ourselves, not God, and our spirit, which is the part of us that, that God's trying to guide so that we will live the way God wants us to live. And Paul says we need to understand the way we're going to win spiritually is by tapping into, he says in verse 4, the divine divine power. We've been calling in this series of divine power for your sermon notes, the supernatural power. We've been trying to tap into the supernatural power of God so that we can live our Christian lives on a daily basis and live them well the way God has intended us to live. Now, to get where we need to get today, I need to just move you through the general lessons that we've learned. What is this supernatural power? Well, we've talked about how the Holy Spirit gives us supernatural power. We said that the Bible says specifically that the Holy Spirit is given to us, John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, for these eight reasons, to help us, to be with us, to teach us, to give us peace deep down. These should be on your sermon notes. You shouldn't have to write all these down. I didn't even put blanks so I could go through them quick. To help us tell others about Jesus to keep us close to Jesus and make us more like Jesus, 
to help us hear from Jesus and to know what Jesus wants us to know deep in our spirit on a daily basis and to help us serve Jesus. So we said as we've studied the supernatural that the Holy Spirit helps us live the supernatural life. We said in one whole message that angels, according to Scripture, angels help us live and accomplish the supernatural life. As we looked at what angels did in Scripture, we see angels were created to praise the work of God. And any time we worship together like we did today, we're joining in a chorus of angels that according to Isaiah chapter 6 and Revelation 5, 24 hours a day since let there be light till forever and ever 24 hours a day they're praising God. So when we worship, we just join them. We see that it's angels, according to Luke 16, that transport us after death to our eternal home. It's angels that give spiritual revelation so we can know what we need to know about God. Angels provide us spiritual protection. Angels bring us spiritual provision just when we need it most. Angels offer us spiritual encouragement. And angels have spiritual awareness and that they're able to understand how humanity loves God by watching the lives that we live. So in just the general Christianity 101, we've learned this key thought about the supernatural. The reason that the supernatural exists The reason that the Holy Spirit exists, the reason that angels exist are really for one key reason. They want to help you draw close to God. The reason we've been studying this series the past five weeks is because as a church, we have a heart to see people who are far from God become passionate Christians who make a difference in the world. We want to see people draw closer to God than they currently are. Last week, we looked at the spiritual armor. And we said the supernatural um, really protects us. And the smartest Christians will learn to purposely live under the armor of God. We, we learn that smartest Christians will, will learn we live under the armor of God. Why? So we can live worthy of Jesus. So that we can mature and grow spiritually. So that we can become a new person with a new way of thinking. So that we can live for Jesus and so that we can stay filled spiritually or stay charged spiritually because the reality of our spiritual life according to Ephesians 5 16 through 18 is we leak spiritually so we have to keep being refilled now let me give you this is not a part of this message this is just ministry today while I've been hanging out with people talking today I had one of the guys in our church come up and say hey one of the things I have been able to do he said you know how you talked about ways to charge yourself spiritually he said I found a website I just googled verse of the day and he said I literally have something that now every day text messages me a Bible verse and a little saying about that Bible verse because it's funny how many times we don't have time to read our Bible, but we always check our phone. So he said, I've made sure that I now have a verse of the day texted to me every day. If some of you are looking for quick, easy, but great ways to plug in spiritually, that's a good one. Go Google verse of the day and set that up on your phone. We were praying this morning with our prayer team at eight o'clock and one of the men prayed about how he had been listening to his iPad read him scripture on the way to work. And I thought, what a great idea to just download the Bible on your iPad, put in a, a headphone and while you're driving to work, do your devotions in your head as you go. There's lots of ways to plug in spiritually and to make sure that we don't run out of gas spiritually. But all that that I have just given you is really basic Christianity. It's like general spiritual education. It's Christianity 1-1. They're great facts. There's some encouraging application. But today's message really gets beyond basic Christianity. If basic Christianity taught us the rules of spiritual warfare, uh, basically what we're going to learn today teaches us how to be um, special forces spiritually. Today teaches us to go behind enemy lines. I don't know if any of you have seen any of the movies depicting our capture um, and killing of Osama bin Laden a few years ago in Pakistan. But today's text in Scripture 
is really training Christians how to be spiritual Navy SEALs, spiritual Green Berets, spiritual Army Rangers. Today's text teaches you how to drop behind enemy lines spiritually and to deal with some of the most difficult spiritual things in your life. We've learned a lot about just general Holy Spirit supernatural encouragement. Today is specific targeted warfare against things that the Apostle Paul says are really terrorizing our souls spiritually. So let's look again at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4, through the lens of becoming kind of spiritual special forces for the things that terrorize our life spiritually. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4, for, we, for though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, Webster's Dictionary defines a stronghold as a place of survival dominated and marked by a particular characteristic. Another translation of the English Bible uses the word fortification here. If, if you could think of the Alamo, I don't know if any of you have been to, been to San Antonio and you have been to the Alamo, or you've heard the familiar cry, remember the Alamo. The fortification, the stronghold, is what stands, even after the war has been lost, the fortification normally doesn't go away. Like, the Alamo is still there. The people who were in it died, but the Alamo is still there. So supernaturally, spiritually speaking, spiritually speaking, a stronghold is going to be one of the final places in your spiritual life that Satan is hanging on to so that your entire life can't be given to Jesus. This, a spiritual stronghold is that one thing. It's like you're 99% of the way there spiritually, but a spiritual stronghold is that one thing. And, and here, here's what it is. It's that one thing that you find yourself like at least every week and sometimes every day asking God to forgive you for again. A spiritual stronghold is that thing that you had in middle school that you still have today and you're 25 or 35 or 45 and you've just accepted it as a part of your life. A spiritual stronghold is that one place in your life where Satan says, okay, you can give everything to Jesus, but in this area, if I can hang on to you, I can make sure that you struggle spiritually your entire life. So the Apostle Paul teaches us a lot about the supernatural, the Holy Spirit, angels. We learn a lot about the spiritual armors. But Paul said there comes a day and a time where everyone has to look kind of the last line of defense in the eyes spiritually. And we have to demolish the fortification. Like we have to go to, you know, after the battle line has been defeated and they've dropped behind the fence and the fence has been defeated and they've dropped into the, the castle and the castle has been defeated and they're all now up in the tower. The tower has to go too. Or eventually when you go away, they're going to come out of the tower. They're going to rebuild the wall. They're going to rebuild the city. They're going to rebuild the battle line. See, you got to get all of it. My, my, uh, my cousin, 35 years old, she's 12 days younger than me, who is in her third week of chemotherapy. They're not trying to get most of her cancer. They're trying to get all of it. Because if they don't get all of it, what's going to happen? Anybody? It's going to come back. And Paul says there are some things in your life spiritually that you, you, don't, just, you don't just want to put them, to, you need to completely eradicate them. All of it. You have to get all of it. And after you do surgery, 
you have to do chemotherapy. And after you do chemotherapy, you have to do radiation. Like, you have to demolish the fortification, the stronghold. You've got to take down this area in your life so you can live for Jesus the way you've been intended to live for Jesus. So what do we know about our spiritual stronghold as we look in Scripture? I want to show you four things about your spiritual stronghold kind of quickly. And then I want to show you to, how to go about seeing this area demolished in your life. Number one, your spiritual stronghold is a reality that has to be dealt with. The person in here who's shaking their head saying, you know, I just don't know that I've got anything in my life like what, uh, like what you're talking about, Christian. You're not really dealing with reality. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 5 and 6, I want you to see what Paul says. As he gets verse 4, he says we have to demolish strongholds. Verse 5, he said we have to demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we have to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once obedience is complete. Why is it necessary to realize what our spiritual stronghold is and to deal with it? Here's why Paul says our spiritual strongholds stand in the way of our spiritual obedience. And Paul says you're not going to be able to. Your role as a Christian, your function as a Christian is to obey God and live for God. Paul said, if you're not able to demolish this stronghold, you're not going to be able to be obedient to all the things God wants you to be obedient to. So what is the reality of your spiritual stronghold? Some of you know yourself enough that I could stop this message right now and you could pray because you you know the thing that it seems like you've struggled with your entire life. But it's funny because as we have adults get baptized at our church and every adult that's ever baptized at our church, like you saw Don baptized, shares their story in one page or less. Here's here's what God did in my life. And I, I, I pulled some of our baptism testimonies this week. And as I read over them, what I realized is that in order to come to Jesus, people had to demolish strongholds. One of the people at our church who was baptized said slowly and surely because of Jesus love and redemption, Shown through a group of young adults, my heart was set ablaze and God started winning over my life. Listen now to the issues that had to be dealt with. From my codependency on people to being dependent on God alone. From my self-worth issues and showing me how much he adores and pursues me just as I am. To my addictions to self-defeating behaviors and proving he's more satisfying than anything worldly, he captivated my heart in a way that I never thought would be possible. That's someone in our church saying, here's what Jesus did to me. He took all the things, all the strongholds in my life, and he demolished them. Another person who was baptized at our church um, said, with a lot of the pain and confusion that was in my life, I suffered from major depression and from suicidal thoughts, which later turned into drug use to mask my pain. The drugs took over, and before I knew it, I was a full-on addict of painkillers and of heroin. I'd never felt so ashamed in my life, and I was ready to die just to end the pain. He says, see, this, these were the strongholds in my life before Jesus rescued me. Uh, you, you saw today, this is a line from last week's baptism testimony. Um, Most of my earlier years, I suffered with low self-esteem, and I found a cure for it in the form of alcohol. And pornography. These were strongholds in my life that had to be dealt with. Another person said, and this one was on Facebook this week, Danielle and I, a great friend of ours from college. Because not all strongholds are sinful in nature. Some strongholds are just things 
that the devil has used. Some of them are attitudes. Some of them are emotions. Some of them are poor habits. Some of them are issues that have been inflicted on us past abuse, emotional, spiritual, physical, physical, sexual, that we've not been able to forgive. Some of our strongholds are experiences that have happened to us. One of our friends this week posted on Facebook this exactly 14 months ago today. I surrendered to the Lord the weakest part of my life, my weight. With his help, the support of my family and friends and my amazing trainer, I'm happy to say that today I reached my goal 175 pounds lost. See, this this man who's a great friend of ours who God had been using greatly finally admitted this is something, this is something I got to get a hold of. For some of you, it, it is an addiction. For some of you, it's a sin. For some of you, it's an attitude. For some of you, it's an emotion. For some of you, it's a relationship. For some of you, it's a habit. A spiritual stronghold is that thing that Satan is using in your life To remind you that he can always come back and you're never going to be free to live the life that God wanted you to live. So we have to understand the reality of our spiritual stronghold. Our spiritual stronghold also, number two, allows the devil to hang around in our spiritual life. In Ephesians Ephesians chapter 4 verse 27, Paul says to the church in Ephesus, don't give the devil a foothold. Don't give the devil a foothold. That verse didn't mean much to me until I tried to go rock climbing or even climb a rock climbing wall. Have any of you tried to climb a rock climbing wall without using the footholds? It's nearly impossible unless you're built like Robbie McCord, who sits on the front row during the 1045 and his arms are the size of our legs. He could probably do it. The rest of us, there's no way. A foothold is not only what you need to go to the next level. A foothold is what you need to rest your arms when you're tired. And what Paul is saying, he says, the devil is not only using this area in your life to take more ground, the devil is using this area in your life to just rest on. So that when you're doing well spiritually, he's just resting spiritually. He knows he can stand on this foothold and rest spiritually until you're vulnerable and then he can begin to take more ground. And you say, well, what was this big area that could become a foothold? In Ephesians 4.26, it was anger. Paul said, some of you, your, your spiritual stronghold, some of you, your spiritual foot, it's as simple as your anger. And your anger's ruining your marriage, and your anger's making you a poor parent, and your anger's making you a poor employer, and your anger's making you a poor employee. See, strongholds can be emotions. They can be attitudes. They can be habits. They can be sins. They can be past experiences, but they're things that shape us in a way that holds us back spiritually. Our spiritual strongholds, however, number three, reveal God's greatest power in us. This is the good news about what you are facing and what I am facing. Our spiritual strongholds reveal God's greatest power in you. And the Apostle Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. If you still have your Bibles open, I hope you'll turn over there. These are like verses that should be underlined, highlighted, written down somewhere. If some of you have started carrying 3 by 5 cards and trying to memorize verses, these are two good verses to memorize because these remind us that in our weakness, God is strongest. In 2 Corinthians 12 verses 9 and 10. Paul had asked God to take away an area in his life that he felt like he was always going to struggle with, and it just kept coming back. And in verse 9, Paul said, But God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. 
Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecution and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, Paul referred to this stronghold in his life. He called it his thorn in the flesh. I think in our vernacular, we would, we would call Paul's thorn in the flesh our pain in the butt spiritually. Like if we could just deal with this one thing spiritually. Like I feel like I'd be a better Christian. I feel like I'd be a better husband. I feel like I'd be a better dad. I would not be so ashamed. I think I, think I could finally lead a small group. I think I could start witnessing. I wouldn't be afraid to tell people that I'm a Christian anymore. Like this, this one area that's such a pain in the butt for me, if I could finally deal with that. Paul called it his thorn in the flesh, but he said this, in this area of weakness, when God had to step into it, it just showed how powerful God was, not only to me, but to others. Let me ask you this question. If people saw God deal with the worst part of you, what would they believe that God could do in them? Because for most of us, the stronghold in our life, people see it, they know it. Whether it's our sarcasm, whether it's our negativity, whether it's the way we gossip, whether it's the way we treat people, whether it's, whether it's how we treat our wife or how we treat our kids or the addictions and the habits that we carry. Whatever it is, people see it. And if people would see God deal with the worst of us, maybe they'd actually believe that he could deal with the worst of them as well. So our spiritual stronghold, it does a lot of things. But our spiritual stronghold, number four, it requires adding God's super to your natural. Our spiritual stronghold requires adding God's super to your natural. And this is where kind of the rubber hits the road of biblical application in this place. Because if up to this point you've been thinking, okay, I really think I know what my hang-up is. I know what my pain in the butt is. I know what my thorn in the flesh. I think I realize my stronghold or strongholds. And if I can say a prayer and God can deal with those, like I'm all in. Yes, I will give that to God. God says, great. You want me to help you demolish your stronghold? Here's your part. Because God gives us a biblical path to overcoming strongholds. And God says, if you will do your part, if you'll do the natural, I'll do my part, which is the super. If you'll do the natural, I'll do the super. And together, you will have experienced the supernatural. So what is our biblical path to overcoming stronghold? Well, step one, according to Scripture, is soul repentance. I say soul repentance. I add the word soul in there because repentance means a change of direction. But soul repentance really means a change of heart. You have to start seeing this thing in your life like God sees this thing in your life. You have to have a change of heart about this issue. And you have to say, you know what? Up until this day, I had just thought I'd just endure this issue. But you know what? I'm going to have to deal with it. You have a change of heart that you no longer, if you're capable, you no longer want to live life with this in your life. You'd really like to deal with it. In Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, God speaking to the nation of Israel and those who would later follow, God says, I'll give them a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh. So it begins with soul repentance. It begins with a change of heart. Christian, I hear what you're saying. I realize what you're saying. And I really desire to see this part of me made different. It continues, step number two, with spiritual and social confession. What does that mean? That means in prayer, I tell God, God, here's what I need you to help me deal with. But then social means that you tell a friend or a pastor or a small group leader or maybe your spouse, hey, clearly here's, here's a stronghold in my life that I need your help with. 
In James chapter 5, 16, and, and in my opinion, this is where most people get stuck. This is where I got stuck for years. In James five sixteen, James says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can be healed because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and it's effective. Man, I'll never forget after struggling with pornography from a sixth grader to two weeks into my marriage. And if you haven't been around long, this was a battle that I carried into my marriage. And two weeks into my marriage, my wonderful wife, Danielle, caught me engaged in looking at pornography. And I literally thought I was going to get divorced after being married 14 days. And she said, Christian, you're going to have to deal with this. And I remember the day after struggling with this for 10 years. I remember the day of social confession. The spiritual confession was easy. I I normally prayed every every time I was involved in sin. I'd say, God, forgive me. But James says, you've got to go the next step. So I I found a man who I'd asked to be my mentor. And I took him out. And, And I had two overwhelming emotions that day as I had this confession of what was going on in my life. I had fear and I had freedom. I had fear and I had freedom. I had fear that he was going to judge me. He's going to think I was weird. He's going to tell me I couldn't live for Jesus or that God couldn't love me. But man, as soon as I told him I, I had freedom and that he embraced me, he prayed for me, and he said, I can help you through this. And he shared his own struggle in this area with me. You see, spiritual and social confession is the most difficult because unfortunately we live in such a judgmental world. And what you whisper at a church altar may be later posted on Facebook. We're all aware of that, and we've got to be careful. But if we want to do the natural, we have to have spiritual and social confession. We have to tell someone what our stronghold is and what we're dealing with and ask them to help us spiritually. When you do that, that fear will give way to freedom. And, man, you'll become a whole new person with a whole new direction in life. And guess what? That stronghold, that fortification, that tower will be flattened, never to be rebuilt in that area. Step number three, you have to then come under what I call acceptable accountability. You say, what do you mean by acceptable accountability? A lot of times I say accountability, but people aren't willing to be held accountable. So you have to find out some acceptable accountability for you. Who will you allow to hold you accountable and how will you allow them to hold you accountable? You don't want to take a friendship you have and turn it into a a stronghold counseling meeting every time you see each other. So you get a text message. How are you doing on the stronghold? Drinking coffee in the hallway of the church. How are you doing on the stronghold? You run into each other at a small group. How are you doing on the stronghold? No, acceptable accountability once a month. We'll sit down and talk about this. Once a week, I want you to ask me about this. Something that's acceptable to you so that you can walk this journey with a friend spiritually. Step number four, immediate and ongoing confession of your setbacks. If your strongholds are like my strongholds, sometimes they take multiple attacks to finally break through the door and demolish the strongholds. And sometimes it's one small room at a time, and then you have setbacks. In 1 John 1, 9, The Apostle John says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just, and he'll forgive us our sins, and he'll purify us from all unrighteousness. Some of us, our stronghold is so deep, it's going to take dozens of times of confession, hundreds of times of confession. But if every time we have a setback, if our change of heart says, not one time for the rest of my life is this good enough, every time I have a setback, I'm going to confess it spiritually, I'm going to confess it socially, and I'm going to be held accountable. Eventually, you'll work through this. You know, Danielle and I, a few years, uh, met the Financial Peace University world of Dave Ramsey. And I'm not saying that everyone should do that, um, but I would suggest that you at least look into it. Because it really changed the way our life was financially. And one of the things that we started doing is we immediately bought used cars. Um, and, and we 
as much as we could pay cash for them so we didn't have car payments. We tried to eliminate all our credit card debt. But what I found about used cars, because I'm, you know, some of you are like me. I'm not really a car guy. You know, I like, I've, I know where the oil goes and I can put windshield wiper fluid in and I know how to put gas in the car. But beyond that, I don't know a lot about what's under the hood. But as I've driven used cars, I've learned more because as they break down, you learn what, like I've learned names of things and how they work. And this week, um, we had a transmission slipping on Danielle's car. And when I started telling Danielle how I was going to apply, she said, you have to quit telling car stories. And I said, but they're so good and they, they apply so well. So we took our car into the shop and we said, hey, we can tell when we're driving, the transmission is slipping. And it like between the second, and third gears, it's not going. So the guy um, looked at it and he said, hey, I don't think it's broke. He said, I think we're just going to um, change the transmission fluid. Have you, have you ever changed your transmission fluid? The car's like right at 100,000 miles. And I said, I'd never even heard of transmission fluid until you just said that. Like, I didn't even know it existed. And he said, yeah, it has fluid in it. And it's kind of what lubricates the transmission. You have to change it every now and then. Um, and he said, we really need to, to flush the transmission, take all the old stuff out and put new stuff in. Can we do that? I said, yes, that'd be great. So they changed it. They dumped all the transmission fluid out and they put new in. And he said, your car drives great now. Everything's great. So I went to pick it up and I said, okay, like, so in thirty to 50,000 miles, should I do this again? Like, is this... Is this maintenance that I should do this? And he said, listen, he said, I'm going to be honest with you. Your transmission was so dirty and the transmission fluid was basically like tar and it had caked so much to the transmission. He said, we changed it, but probably in 3,000 miles, you need to change it again. And then probably after 5,000 miles, you should change it because he said, it's so bad that even the new stuff's going to keep getting dirty. You have to change it a lot because it was really dirty. Some of you, your strongholds are so deep that you're going to flush them, but there's going to be residue of that stronghold. And after the first flush, it's going to come back. And you have to flush it again. And after the second flush, it's going to come back. You have to flush. Like some of you have driven your entire life with this stronghold in your soul. And, if, and you're going to have to deal with it more than once. It's not just going to go away in one day. It's going to have to be something that you keep after because the gunk of the stronghold is kind of built up in your spiritual veins. And it's going to take several flushes for you to get it out. So every time you have a setback, you haven't failed just confess it and keep moving forward. And then number five, and I really believe this works, you add personal and group prayer to your situation. You begin to daily pray that God will help you with this situation. And then you bring people around you who will pray for you when you're not with them and who will pray over you and with you when you are with them. In Mark chapter 9, verses 28 and 29, Jesus meets a dad who's desperate. His son uh, has had epileptic seizures caused by a demon. The disciples couldn't cast it out. The disciples couldn't help him. Jesus came and he did. And they said, how come you could do that and we couldn't? Jesus said in Mark 9, 28, 29, after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we? drive it out. And he replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. So some of you, you're going to have to add a daily element to your life called prayer for your stronghold, because you've got something that's so deep in you, like, like my 10 year, 10 year pornography issue. You might have a decade long alcohol issue. You might have a decade long prescription drug issue. You might have a decade long emotional wound cause by an ex-husband or an ex-wife or parents or an ex-employer. You might have some deep things in your life, some deep strongholds and attitudes that maybe were given to you by your parents who were given to them by their grandparents who were given to them by their great-grandparents. And if you don't figure out how to take away the pessimism and sarcasm in life, the negative attitudes, the critical spirit in life, they never will. If this isn't something you deal with, Satan will always just hang around in this area of your life. And when you're weak 
spiritually, he'll just keep climbing up in your life and, and destroying things that don't necessarily need to be destroyed. You have to do the natural and let God do the super. Now, let me tell you exactly what I mean by this. Uh, I went to a Christian college and I played football at a Christian college. Um, and we weren't very good. Like only one, one out of the four years I was there did we go over 500. Usually we, we were just under 500. And at a Christian college, you, ha- you have people who are more preacher than, than player. Um, and every time we would lose, they would say, we just need to pray more. Um, and we should have a Bible. And like their answer is like, when, you, when we lose, we should do more stuff spiritually. And I'll never forget, our coach pulled us together. I played for a guy named Sam Ritigliano, who was a two-time NFL coach of the year with the Cleveland Browns. And in his retirement, he'd done a lot of fellowship of Christian athletes. And he, he kind of decided to coach small college football as his retirement. And he pulled us together in the locker room one time when we were going through one of these episodes where guys were like, hey, we lost, we need to pray more. Um, and he said, listen, guys, we're not losing because you're bad Christians. We're losing because you're bad football players. I'll never forget this. And he said, I'm okay with you praying. And I think you should pray. Um, but he said, you need to also watch film and lift weights and run and do the things needed to make you better football players. And he said, let me give you an illustration. He said, imagine, um, imagine a man out in the middle of the ocean, uh, two men in a boat in the middle of the ocean um, that begins to take on water. And he said, there's two buckets in this boat. And he said, the, the boat begins to take on water. And these two men say, what are we going to do? And one of them begins to pick up a bucket of water and they begin to bail the water out of the boat. And the other one begins to pray. Which one do you think is showing God more survival effort? See, our coach said, guys, here's the one I want. He said, I want the person who will bail and pray at the same time. I don't want either or. I'll never forget that. You, you, you didn't lose because you're bad Christians. You lost because you're bad football players. Some of you, some of you, like you're sitting there and you're like, okay, God, just, you know, do your thing, God. And God's saying, do your thing. If you do your thing, I'll do my thing. And together, it'll be supernatural. You do the natural, I'll do the super. And together, we'll see some supernatural happen in your life. Now, I want you to remember this lesson so much that I've asked our ushers. I've bought 500 of these little bracelets that say supernatural. And I've asked our ushers to give one to everyone in this room. Some of you will wear these. They're going to come down the aisle and just pass them out. Some of you will put these on your backpacks. Some of you will put this around a coffee mug or a water jug that you take to work. Some of you will lay this on your desk at work or you'll put this somewhere near a computer terminal. Some of you will hang this around your rearview mirror or maybe you'll put it on the gear shifter of your car. But every day for the rest of your life, I want you to remember the lesson that if you will do the natural, God will do the super and the strongholds in your life will be demolished. Listen, we're all going to have times in our life when our boat begins to take on water. Some of us, our first reaction is going to be to bail. Some of us, our first reaction is going to be to pray. The correct reaction is to bail and pray. So today, here's my prayer for you. My prayer for you today is that you realize what your stronghold is. My prayer today is that you realize that Satan is going to use that in your life until you deal with it. And he'll hide in that tower. He doesn't care that you've broken the battle line the city line, the fortress line. As long as you don't tear down the tower, he'll wait you out, and then he'll come back and rebuild. 
we realize today that our stronghold allows God's greatest power to be shown in our greatest area of weakness. But our stronghold today takes our natural, combining with God's super, to come together to do something supernatural. Can we pray together? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And as we pray this morning, my question for you. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. My question for you. Paul said, we do not war as the world wars. Instead, our weapons are mighty in divine power for demolishing strongholds. With every head bowed and every eye closed, as Brandon begins to play. If you're in this room today and you would be honest enough to admit the reality of a stronghold in your life. If you were to to sit in here today and say, Christian, as you were speaking, it resonated in my soul that this area, like I've got to deal with. And to be honest, I've tried before. Like I tried when I was a teenager and then I tried when I was in college and I tried when I got married and I tried when I got divorced and I just... I didn't think I could get rid of it. Listen, God's given you a formula for your natural to be met by his super and for something supernatural to happen. But if you're in here today, and this will be the only response that I'll ask for this morning, meaning I won't ask you to stand up, I won't ask you to come forward, but I do want to pray with you. If you're in here this morning and you would say, Christian, I believe that I know the reality of a stronghold in my life that I need to deal with, would you just raise your hands and leave it up in the air so that I can pray over every hand lifted? Christian, I really believe I know the reality of a stronghold in my life that has to be dealt with. Just raise your hand and leave it up. I'm going to ask you to leave it up while we pray. In Jesus' name, God, I come to you. For myself, my hand is raised. And these who are raising their hands, God, like a child reaching up to a parent, we need you to take our hand and help us. And God, I I thank you for revealing to our hearts, to our minds, to our life, the reality of our stronghold. And I thank you for giving us the plan. But God, for every person right now who has a hand raised, I pray that, God, you not only will gently comfort their soul with the reality that this stronghold can be demolished, but God, that you'll convict and challenge their soul with the steps they have to take to do the natural so that you can do the supernatural. Give them courage to confess it to you and to someone they trust. Give them courage to be held accountable in an acceptable manner to them. Give them courage, God, to when they have a setback, and they will, some of them need a lot of flushing, that they'll just, they'll just confess it and they'll start over. And God, give them courage to pray and to be prayed for. I'm going to let you put your hand down. But God, I pray for these individuals where they are. God, as they pray right now, I pray that your ears would be attentive and your heart and your eyes would be aware of their prayers with heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm just going to ask you where you sit, not out loud, but would you just in the closet of your heart, would you just confess to God what your area is and would you say it not out loud, but in your heart, whether it's an attitude, an emotion, whether it's a memory, a past experience, whether it's an addiction, whether it's a sin. Would you just say, God, would you help me deal with this? And then would you right now commit in the words that you know how to pray? Would you commit to tell someone and would you even pray for that person right now that they would 
that they would take the news well and that they wouldn't judge you, that you could have courage to have them be a great friend in this area. After you pray for that person by name, would you commit to God that as this area stays in your life for a little bit, that every time you have a setback, you'll keep fighting because you want to see this area eradicated? And would you commit to God maybe the courage to find two or three people who would pray for you, even if you didn't tell him what specifically, that you could just ask a few people, hey, I want you to pray for the next 30 days for an area in my life that I'm really trying to get a hold of. God, we thank you for today's message. I have believed since the first Sunday of this series, August 25th, that this would be the message that had the most potential to impact lives transformationally. And God, I've been praying over this message and our people all morning, believing that today people can get really practical in the supernatural and see their life change forever. So God, those who have raised their hands, those who have prayed, those who have committed, who have confessed, those who have been convicted and challenged, would you bless them today? And God, would you allow them to pick up their bucket and begin bailing water while they're praying, while they're doing their part, God, and asking you to do yours? Would you allow the natural and the supernatural to provide, the natural and the super to provide a supernatural moment in their life that will allow them to boast of the glory of God forever? God, we need you in our lives for this. We ask you to bless us today in these areas. In Jesus' name. And everyone said together, amen.